This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, there's some days it just works out better than I imagined, uh, and today is one, just watching the kids realize and draw out uh, Sometimes life's a little bit longer than we think. Sometimes a book is a little bit different than we think. Things unfold in ways we would not imagine. And for some of you, that is exactly the case uh, today. Uh, some of you are here today thinking, I can't believe that my son or my daughter is graduating from high school. Like, that's not possible. Uh, some of you are sitting here today going, I can't believe that was my daughter playing music this morning and she's back from college. I mean, just all these different things that play into you. And some of you are sitting there going, how am I an adult? I mean, I feel this all the time. Like, how am I an adult? <laughs> some of you are laughing or going, yeah, we wonder how you're an adult too sometimes. <laughs> well, what I want you to do is open up to Mark chapter 3. We're going to go into the scriptures, and I want us to hear, uh, well, we're going to hear some adults uh, doing some real adult-type things, <laughs> which is sharing opinions way too quick. Mark chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. So what we have gathered here is we've got Jesus, and he's gone home, and he's got crowds around him. The text records this. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again. So he's home, crowds are gathered. So they could not even eat. Now, some of you may have graduations parties where it's so close that you can't like, get to the food and you can't eat. So crowds packed so tight you cannot eat. I mean, this is a crowd. You guys ever been to a music concert where it's that tight? And you're sitting there going, like, this is not the time to have the hot dog or popcorn. Like, you just, I mean, you're, you're in that tight. So this is the crowd we've got. So they went home. The crowd gathered again. No one could eat. And his family heard it. <laughs> they went out to seize him. And they were saying, he's out of his mind. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. This is his family. So the crowd's that tight listening to their son, and mom and dad and the family's response is, he's crazy. Why are you listening to the crazy one? Which there's lots of hidden things scriptures don't tell us, but if you want to read a little behind it, it probably wouldn't be that far to think, I mean, this child is the one we thought people would listen to, not, yeah, not the crazy one. He's out of his mind. How many of you remember the song, Oh, Be Careful Little Eyes? Remember that song? See, when I, when I heard this account from Mark 3, that song just got into my head. But not exactly the I verse. It was, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down with love. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you... He's out of his mind! I'm not sure if they were singing that song in their head or not. See, when we don't understand something, that's our knee-jerk reaction. When you don't know something, too often as human beings, we start yelling. That doesn't mean you yell like that you raise your voice, but you start sharing all the stuff that shows how you know more than that person does. I know that, I mean, I'm not the oldest person out there, but all news does now is yell at each other. Like, they don't report news. Like, what news used to be to me was the ski lift at such and such mountain is closed today. Oh, okay, that's news. You know, there is a car that crashed in the road. That's news. Like, reporting meant here's the intersection. 
Now news is just people telling you their opinions about something. Just tell me that it happened. Five people met in a room. Great, that's all I need to know. Later on, I can deal with other stuff. He's out of his mind. <laughs> are you listening to Jesus or you're just saying that because you're not excited because you want to eat? I don't know why they said it. Are they just sitting there with their hot dog going, man, we just want to eat this hot dog. Some of you are like, they didn't have hot dogs, pastor. I know. I'm just trying to connect it to you today. Now, that's the family's reaction. We're at verse 21. All we have to do is go to verse 22, and now we get the teachers of the law. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, I mean, so 21 is he's out of his mind. Now, here's one of the tough things that you have to remember about the Bible as you have it set there for you. Many of you probably between verse 21 and 22 have a what? A heading. Yeah, you have a break. So you're reading this break, and you're like, aha, a new scene. Again, they're helpful, but in this case, they're kind of discouraged. No, so you got the family saying this, and then you got the teacher. Like, this is all happening. Mark wanted you to hear this as what? One continuing line and narration. He's out of his mind, immediately scribes, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, well, he's possessed by Beelzebub. Now, you thought the family was doing a bad service to him. So his family thinks he's crazy, and the teachers, this is the pastors, the priests, the religious authorities, say he's possessed. Well, I mean, if this was his graduation from high school, this would not be a good moment, right? Hey, you're graduating. Everybody's in town. You're crazy, and you're possessed. Yeah, I mean, you're like, wow, this is great. This is really good. He is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons, he casts out demons. See, now it got from bad to worse. Now, Beelzebub, just for those of you who are, aren't up on all of your gods of several thousand years ago, is a Philistine god. Anyone remember the Philistines? Anyone? Anyone with me yet? Yeah, David and Goliath. So we've got a Philistine god, Beelzebub. He's one of their gods, uh, and he was worshipped in a city called Samaria. Anyone recall anyone from Samaria? Ah, the Samaritans. See, this is good. You guys know this. Biblical literacy is climbing in this place. I love it. So 30 miles away in Samaria, uh, they were worshipping Beelzebub. Now, this is important because 30 miles away, they would have known about this. So to name Beelzebub, they would have thought, oh, this is the god of that city, of Samaria, and also because Jews don't like who? Samaritans. <laughs> so if you call a Jew someone who's actually, hmm, possessed by Beelzebub, possessed by the Samaritan god, you've made him crazy, out of his mind, and not just possessed, but possessed by the foreign god, the one we don't even talk to. So this is really bad. I mean, so think of all the curse words that you use in your life. This is pretty bad uh, to set there. You may just read Beelzebub, you're like, oh, it's just a name. No, this is, this is really harsh language uh, to be spoken to, to Jesus. So the connotation is immediately trying to impunge his name to set there. Now, what happens next in the parable, I think is often missed in the account. Uh, and he called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Now, we have the response, and I think some of you are like, okay, kingdom divided, at least for me, you hear kingdom divided, like on one moment, and you're like, okay, so this is Lincoln and his house divided speech. No, not at all. This is not a Lincoln moment uh, to sit there, but you're kind of sitting there and you're looking at divided. Well, I think the thing that we miss uh, is actually in Mark 3.23. He's out of his mind, he's possessed by Beelzebub, and verse 23, and he called them to him. Well, be careful, little mouth, what you say. 
Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say, for the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. And he called to them and said to them in parables. He actually addresses his family and addresses the scribe. He addresses them all and speaks to them. We don't speak to each other anymore. We don't talk to each other. We don't have difficult conversations. You know how quickly things can be solved if you had a difficult conversation that would last six seconds? Then you could have like 12 hours of joy. But instead, you yell about a person and complain about them instead of actually telling them where you're upset. You may find out that they actually go, wow, we actually completely agree. I just use a different word to get there. He said to them in Paris, how can Satan cast out Satan? He actually goes and addresses it. Jesus doesn't go off to the side and get his disciples. Now, this is bad teaching. See, they're really off. We've got to get them. You decide, we'll build up and we'll attack again. We'll get them. No, he calls the people who have problems with him and says, I want to talk to you. Now, whether or not they listen, we can leave that for another moment. But he does actually ask the people he is now in conflict with whether or not he wanted it or not, they have invited this conflict, and he actually did the most difficult thing about conflict. He addressed it. He actually stepped up and used that mouth to address conflict, not to make more. You ever seen a, a conflict that's been conflated by people who refuse to talk to each other? You ever been involved in one of those? You ever been responsible for one of those? <laughs> Anybody hear like the, the, the volume gap? That was awesome. Kind of play that out. Yes, I've been in that. Yes, that's happened to me. You ever been the person involved? No. It's like, no, no, I've never been that person. No, no, no. Yes, I've had others do it to me, but I've never been the one to do it. Yeah. If you have a chance and it's in your family, ask that around the lunch table and find out you're like, well, no, Dad, I actually thought you were the one who was the problem. You're sitting there going, no, Mom, I thought you were, the, I mean, you'd be amazed how easy it is to see these things explode. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. But Jesus isn't going to allow these statements to remain without being properly addressed. He wants to make sure that popular opinion doesn't carry the day. See, popular opinion said Jesus was crazy and out of his mind by his family, and the religious leaders said he was possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons, he's casting out demons. So imagine what the survey would have looked like, the poll, because of course polls tell us everything, right? Is Jesus a good teacher? How would the poll have gone on that day? I mean, roughly. 99% of people say Jesus is a crazy fool. His family, all nine out of ten family members think Jesus is insane. Okay, great. Any Christians in the house? All right, man, we're following the crazy guy. I mean, just don't miss this. Popular public opinion doesn't sway reality and teaching and doctrine. It just doesn't. So the next time you hear a poll, most of the polls you're excited about agree with you. I don't know if you knew this about polls. You get excited about the ones that agree with you, and you don't listen to the ones that disagree with you, because you say that's bad polling. See, this is why you're not worried about public opinion of Jesus, because you have a very different opinion, because the Spirit has poured out on you, and you know who Christ is, because he has come upon your life. Like, it doesn't trouble you that public opinion of Jesus was low back in the day. You're like, oh yeah, of course it was. We know why. Here's what the Holy Spirit was doing, the church is growing, uh, and we're comfortable with that. We must be real cautious where we are. Now, that song has additional verses that I think play out to us today. Some of you maybe are running them through your head. But, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little mind, what you think. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. And be careful, little feet, where you go. 
Maybe that's a weird turn on Dr. Seuss, is it not? Oh, the places you'll go? I mean, what if you read the title differently? Oh, the places you'll go! I mean, it just kind of sets there. You have to be cautious. The world is a wonderful and joyous gift. God has made it for you. As the kids laid out that timeline, God made all of it. Heaven and earth, we say that in the creed. Heaven and earth he made. But we need to be cautious. Jesus said this, how can Satan cast out Satan? This was his question to the scribes. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. See, the scribes didn't actually think through their comments. They actually spoke before they thought through it. Now, you've probably been through one of those conflated hot conflicts and someone says something before they think through it. This is what we have here in Mark 3. You've got them saying stuff they haven't thought about. How could Satan cast out Satan? I mean, it's craziness. It wouldn't make sense for Satan to defeat himself. See, the image that you actually have Jesus talking about is a foreshadowing of what's going to happen with him on the cross. If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom can't stand. Uh, He goes on and will talk about uh, binding up a strong man. Uh, and a setting there. And what he's talking about in this instance is the scribes and Pharisees are trying to call him crazy, or his family calls him crazy. They tell him that he's possessed. He says, if Satan were actually casting out himself, it's not going to help. I mean, imagine in a war what happens when you have friendly fire. It does what? It destroys the very forces you're trying to use. So instead, Jesus is setting up going, wait a second, this isn't, I'm not casting out with Satan, I'm actually casting out with a power that lets me defeat Satan. There is something greater that is happening here. That if you actually want to go into the strong man's house, which this is theologically, you have to play out, well, what's the strong man's house? Satan has some control and limited ability and power still where? On earth. But for This to actually start seeing a limit for us to not just be sitting there going, be careful, little mouth, be careful, careful, careful. We have to realize, well, someone's come in so that we have some strength. And that's Jesus who comes in and takes the strong man and binds him. You may not know this because right now you're feeling kind of beat up in life. Satan is bound. He actually is limited. This is Satan bound. Some of you are like, man, this guy's strong. Yeah, you bet. This is why Christ died for you, because you are experiencing a bound Satan. And all of you are like, man, if only I had been in the Old Testament, that would have been great. Then I would have been very close to God with an unbound Satan. Could you imagine what it would have been like to be around in a world where Satan is actually roaming free and not bound? He is bound when Christ goes on the cross, dies, goes into hell, doesn't go into hell for a punishment. He goes to hell to do what? We are the champions, my friends. We'll go on fighting till the... Yeah, somebody, man. You guys like, he's killing that Queen song. Okay, I get it, I get it. But you have to realize he goes in victory, and that victory dance is yours. That victory dance is a victory dance for those who are graduating high school, graduating college, those who are starting new careers, those who have families. It's yours. Satan is bound. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Well, maybe mouth, be excited about the stuff you can say. See, don't just leave going, be careful, little mouth. Like, you know, pastor got me all like, concerned what I should say. I, hopefully I get you realized about all the stuff you should be saying because you have victory in Christ. The strong man who is Satan is bound. Jesus is not just casting someone. He's casting Satan out. This is awesome. This is great news. This is the stuff that should just light your fire. Now, in 56 AD, 25, maybe 30 years after Jesus 
has ascended to the Father, we then get the account of what's happening in 2 Corinthians 4. This is Paul writing to the church in celebration. Remember, his first letter was, hey, get it back together. You're not listening. You've lost your first love. You don't understand who God is. You need to come back to who Christ is. In his second letter, he writes and goes, I love you guys. I love you. And I love that we walk and worship together. I love that our little mouths are saying the same thing. I love that our eyes are watching the same thing. I love that our little feet come to church together. I love that we gather. I love that our little hands hug or not hug, depending on where you are in hugs. I'm fine with that. Uh, but just to say that we do things together. I mean, if you're not excited about a day like today, be excited. And even if you have to fake it, you know one of the neat things about faking a smile? Did you guys know this? If you fake it long enough, you actually start you actually start smiling. Yeah, it's crazy. You all know this as well, right? It takes more muscles to frown than it takes to smile. <laughs> like you all start looking at me. No, it doesn't. I mean, it's just a, a smile. I mean, I'm not saying toothy smile. I mean, again, you, you take your smile on the level you want. But to sit there, God has actually given you so much. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. See, we go from be careful, little mouth, what you say, mouth, be empowered. Mouth, be excited. Mouth, get ready. Mouth, you've got good news. Paul continues. He says, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us. This isn't just a Jesus story. This is your story. This isn't just about them. This isn't just about the scribes. It's not just about Jesus' family. It's not he's out of his mind. It's about you. It's about you realizing God did this so that you will be raised. The cross isn't about just Binding a strong man. It's binding a strong man so you can jump for joy. And you do realize jump for joy isn't just a physical thing, right? Some of you have learned that in your life. Some of the greatest joy you've ever had in your life involved nothing to do with your body moving. But it had everything to do with the Spirit of God coming to life in you so that we might be raised and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake. It is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. I want you to share that with me. We're just going to close with that very verse. But before we do it, I just want you to hear it again. What does it actually mean? For your sake. Christ did it all for you. All for you. All to him I owe. So these great hymn writers who've used these to remind us of what it is. So that as grace extends to more and more people, anyone's ever told you God's heart isn't big enough, he didn't do this, or what happens to the other end of the world, what about the people who haven't heard yet? There's a reason why Jesus didn't come back last night. You know why? Because God's heart is so big, he will not let those people be left alone. So rather than you worrying about, well, what do I need to do to the people uh, in Zanzibar? What do I need to do with the people here in Australia? And how do I help people who haven't heard? God will take care of that. But God's given you everything you need. So little mouth, talk. Little feet, walk. Little hands, get busy. Little eyes, light up with joy. We join together. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, 
We hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.